0: Good morning, everyone. We're two days before Shavuos. We are in Gitin. We left off. First chapter, 7B on the bottom. The fourth line from the bottom. What if you have a pot? A flower pot, a pot, but it's perforated. It has holes, but it's not sitting on the ground, on the earth. It's sitting on on pegs, on, on sticks. It's elevated from the ground. So we're talking about a wooden pot, a wooden pot. A perforated, if it's a earthenware pot, and even if it doesn't have holes, even if it's not perforated, we about a wooden pot. And it's separated from the ground, sitting on a, on a, on a stand, or whatever, on a, above, on sti- sticks, pegs. It's so, a bundle of because Rabbi Zayda says this is an argument in but a bundle. Anything that you grow in this pot, they are obligated in Israel. i obligated to give tithing. You have to, because the Mistress of Shriya supply is considered like growing in Israel. So this is an argument, Rabbi Huda and Rabbi As we just learned, we learned yesterday, the argument of a boat, Rabbi and the rabbis. Rabbi Huda says that a plant in the river is not subject to the laws of mice and shriks. Because it's not touching, it's separated. The water separates between the boat and the, uh, and, and the ground, and the uh, riverbed. Okay. So therefore, it's not growing in Israel. Even though it's in the boundaries of Israel, it's not growing in Israel. So you're exempt from miser and from shviz. The rabbis disagree. The rabbis say, no, it's not considered the separation. So Rabbi Zedah says the same argument would be if there's ear separating between the ground and the path, and earth. According to the rabbis, it's not considered the separation. So it's as if it's, it's drawing energy from the earth. And therefore, it's growing in Israel and it's obligated sure, for Meissen. And Abdullah will say, No, it's not. There's a separation. It's not growing in Israel. <laughs> so, um, Ambar Rav argues, Rav says, Dum-a-lo-yi. Why are you so certain? He's asking Why are you so certain? You're comparing the two cases the case of the boat, you grow something in the boat, you bring earth on the boat, and you grow, versus our case in a flower pot, in a pot that's standing on pegs. It's not sitting on the earth. It has holes in it. How, how, maybe you can compare the two. Maybe only in the case of a boat. We continue on asuya Because a boat is constantly on the move. Constantly in motion. So therefore it doesn't draw nourishment from the ground. It doesn't stay long enough in one place to draw nourishment it stands still in one place maybe it draws nourishment through the air it lifts up the nourishment from the ground <laughs> or if you will I'll say the opposite only the other the rabbis say that it's considered as if it's growing in Israel in the earth because there's no ear separating it you have water separating between the boat and the earth and the and the seabed, so the 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 water is like is like earth. There's something of substance that's separating, so therefore it doesn't allow the 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 uh, the sustenance doesn't allow the nourishment from the earth to reach to reach this, the earth in the boat. But here, Here, there's nothing separating. Here it doesn't separate, so the so the acids could draw the nourishment from from the earth through the year so maybe even here the rabbis will agree that it's considered if it's growing in israel and all the laws of israel apply tithing you know like Okay, now we're going back to the original. We, we quoted earlier the two b'raises that seem contradictory. One b'raises says, if you bring a get on a boat, it's considered like you bring it from abroad. The get was written on the boat, but the boat is, on the, is in the water. So even though it's in the boundary of Israel, it's considered if you brought it from overseas, from abroad, and if you, the, the agent, the hand delivers the get to the wife, he has to be present when it's written in the sign. The other b'raises says, no. That it's not considered, it's considered It's part of the Board of Israel. So, first, we wanted to say that, that this argument, the argument of the rabbi is arguing the rabbis in Rabbi Yehuda. According to the rabbi, he's in Israel. According to Rabbi Yehuda, he's outside of Israel. Then he said, "No. Even according to Rabbi Yehuda, it depends. Maybe it depends if the boat is touching, touching, touching the earth. Even Rabbi Yehuda would say if the boat is sitting, resting on the on the seabed, touching the earth. And even Rabbi Yehuda would say that it's, it's 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 part of Israel. versus if it's not resting on the seabed. But now Rabbi Yehuda gives a different answer to explain the contradiction of these two brayts. The hard is to Israel look alam leply." In the rivers of Israel itself. No one argues that it's treated like written in Israel. Let's say it's on the Kinneret. You're writing again while you're on a boat sitting in the Kinneret River. So, of course, according to everyone, it's, it's, it's not considered the broad. The a reference to this. <laughs> So he says, there, there is no, he says, he can't compare the case, the argument in Rabbi Huda and the rabbis have to do with nourishment. Does, does he get nourishment from the earth of Israel or not? What does it have to do with get? Get, the issue is, could you authenticate the documents or not? So if it's in the land of Israel, then it's easy. To, the witnesses live in the land of Israel. They happen to be on a boat, they're taking a cruise. He wrote the, he goes, while he was on his yacht. So, But that doesn't change anything. Of course, it's a land that considered the land of Israel, and you don't have to be present. Adrian doesn't want to be present when it's written inside. <laughs> the, <laughs> the, the <laughs> Brace, When do the Braise disagree? The Yamagog or the Mediterranean. we learn, they said, which part of the mountain, of, of Amnon, the mountain? It's in the northern part of Israel, the mountainous region. So there's, 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 there's a mountain there's a mountain called Amnon. So which part of the mountain is considered part of Israel and which part of it is considered? a Chutzlach. Which part of the mountain is considered outside of Israel? It's a huge mountain. So part of it is, 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 is the boundary within the boundary of Israel and part of it is outside the boundary of Israel. like yeah, go, go, it comes up from the sea. It's a mountain that comes straight out of the sea. <laughs> so part of it is Israel and part of it's. As the that it grow. So what you see there? Israel. So does mm-hmm. it reach the, the peak of the mountain or only the foot of the mountain? Like how far to the mountain is part of Israel? So we learn any territory that slopes from the peak inward south toward israel that's part of israel the other side of the mountain this side of the mountain from the peak to the south that's that's part of israel the other side of the mountain from the peak peak and going north that's outside the land of israel and then the baisa continues what about islands we have islands in the mediterranean so draw a line from the mountain the peak of the mountain draw a line to the southern border which is the uh, Egyptian uh, canal mm-hmm. it's a Wadi some say it is some say it's, it's part of the Nile Delta whatever so if, if you draw a line, anything in the line is part of Israel. You see the picture? Here you have Amnon, draw a line to Nachal Amnon. So any, any island, it could be a man-made island, it doesn't matter. Any island that's within this line is considered part of Israel. It's within the, the border. And the Mediterranean islands on the sides, so the north and south of Israel's coastline, Imagine a string that stretched from Kapluria, Kifluria, all the way to Yama Kainas, the Atlantic. And Abhuda argues. Abhuda says, he argues with the Tan-Kam. Tan-Kam says, you draw a line, and anything within the line is Israel. Anything outside the line is Israel. Abhuda argues and he says... That kosh can negate Israel, anything that's opposite due west of the coast of Israel. <speaking in Hebrew> is considered as the land of Israel. <speaking in Hebrew> <speaking in Hebrew> <speaking in Hebrew> that the western boundary of Israel is the Mediterranean. So that's part of Israel. The Western Mediterranean is part of Israel. <speaking in Hebrew> All the way to the Atlantic Ocean. Any island <laughs> it belongs to the land of Israel. We can claim all the gas rights, all the gas, all the way to the Atlantic Ocean. Anything west is, is Israel. And it's and the Mediterranean Islands on the side, the north and south of Israel. So you have to you have to draw a line. Hilchut Matur from Kifluria to the Atlantic Ocean. That's on the north side. Kifluria was on the north side. The peak of Mount Amna, and there was a, a city, a town called Kefluria. So draw a line, Kefluria west, till the Atlantic Ocean, all the way west to Atlantic Ocean. And from the southern border, Nachal Mitzrayim, the Wadi, just go all the way, draw a line all the way to the Atlantic Ocean. Anything in the Mediterranean, this line belongs to the land of Israel. Nachal Mitzrayim, the Nachut anything within the line is Israel. Nachut Wow. I mean, Cyprus, everything, I think it's all about. Bar- only refers to islands, Greek islands, not a real landmass. It doesn't include Cyprus or oh, Cyprus, but but, uh, but the islands and the island that's by the register, especially the oil fields and the gas fields that surely belongs there. Well. That that now we understand the two brises. The brises is talking about if the boat was west of Israel, was situated the yacht was west of Israel. But it was outside the line. It was outside the line that goes vertically from the peak of Mount Amnon all the way to the Wadi Nachum Mitzrayim. That's a very narrow strip. But here the boat was outside. But, it was, but if you draw the line all the way to the Atlantic, it was still within that line. So according to that, the Brizer that says that you don't have to say if any Nechta if any was considered Israel that follows the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda. So it's a different Rabbi Huda than the Rabbis. Not nothing to do with the argument about the uh, the earth and the boat or, or, the, or the perforated the uh, f- flower pot. Nothing to do with that. What's in Israel? What's in Israel? What's not? So this was according to the Rabbis outside the land of Israel. So you have to say That's the you have to say It's abroad according to Rabbi Huda. No, it's within Israel. So I don't have to say b'funenach. That's how Rabbi Nachman explained. It how the rabbi is going to explain it seems like a clear verse Abu is basing himself on a pasuk. it says this will be your boundary all the way to the Gvul Yam your western border will be the Yam. This is your western border. So the Mediterranean is your western border. The mother says, "We I mean, boil little in this, and the rabbis will say that it's coming to add the islands that are east of the Mount of Am The islands are within that little strip you drew. The strip from north to south. Anything east of that." Is, is is a g'vul. Yes, so therefore, the g'vul, the extra boundary, is coming to add not only the land mass of Israel, but the any island, the island that's within this narrow strip within the vertical line they drew from north to south. Rabbi Why didn't Rabbi Yehuda learn about like the rabbis? It makes sense. But doesn't it make more sense? The boundary is you draw a line from north to south, and anything, and the ghoul, the extrovert comes to add the, the islands that are within this narrow strip instead of saying it goes all the way, the whole Mediterranean, any island, the whole Mediterranean, all the way to the Atlantic, will be part of the border of Israel. It sounds a little uh, far fetched. <laughs> the answer is for that, because for oh, so that, I wouldn't need a pas, obviously. Why, why shouldn't it be part of the land of Israel if it's within the line? Just because it's it's an island, it's it's, it's separated from the landmass. So, why shouldn't it be part of Israel? I wouldn't even think otherwise. I don't need a posse for that. It's within the boundaries of Israel. Truly, it's the boundaries of Israel. So, it's like you're saying, I have a boat parked in the land of Israel. So, you're not in the land of Israel because you're not touching land. I need a posse for that. So what's the difference in an island or a boat? I, mean, well, I don't need a positive for that. No, I'm saying, if you would say that it's only the line, the way the rabbis drew the line, then I don't need a positive to add that any island within this line is part of Israel. Well, why wouldn't I? Of course there is. So the positive is coming to add, no, the whole Mediterranean is abounded. All the way to the end of the Mediterranean. Mm-hmm. All the way to the Atlantic, That's the Mishnah Rameh argues and says even though Aku technically is outside the, the northern bound, bound border of Israel, we treat it like it's, 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 it's Israel. But anything north of Aku, that's a abroad. The students ask for So you're slave for someone in Syria. it says if you sell your slave a Jew in Israel sells a slave to to someone outside the land of Israel he goes free because you're forcing the slave to leave the land of Israel so therefore he goes free and he has to give him a document telling him that he's free he's emancipated the rabbis punished him, you're causing the slave who's obligated to follow halacha he's obligated in all the mitzvah that a woman is obligated He's only exempt from time-bound mitzvah. So you're forcing him to leave the land of Israel? You're not allowed to leave the land of Israel. So we penalize the owner, and he must set him free. What if he sells him to someone living in Syria? Syria, it's not exactly clear. It's not, it's not like a regular, we don't consider it like a broad, a broad. Syria has some laws and certain laws, because David and Melch conquered Syria. He conquered all the way up north, all the way to the whole Syria. So therefore we don't treat it, it's not treated like any other land. It's not like the United States or England. It's, 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 it has a different status. So, what's the status? The rabbis penalize him if you sell him to someone who's living in Syria. Or not. I'll bring your proof. We've you learned you the, uh, in our mission. He says clearly. Aku is considered like a So, he says clearly only so Legitim. Only the laws of Gittin, but since it's so close to Israel, so we say it's either easily accessible, we can or we easily authenticate it, or people are familiar with the laws of Lishma. But lavadim loi. But any other halacha, we don't treat it like Israel. It's considered outside the land of Israel. So we, that's your answer. Anything north of Aku, how much more so Surya? If you sell your slave there, you're penalized and you have to free him. Surya, how much more so which is even further up north. Okay, and that's the conclusion the rabbis learn. There uh, are three ways that Syria is treated halachically like Israel, proper. And three ways like Chutzlaretz. It's treated like any other country abroad, outside of Israel. So he gives an namanic to the the, 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 the uh, six things he's going to discuss. Ab, Bar, Ab, Bar, and Rak. So to help you memorize this. The first is Ayin. Ab. The earth is like earth outside the land The rabbis decree that any earth outside the land of Israel is impure and there's no is also the same. He's starting out with the things that are, that are that is different than Israel. My the last thing he said. Three things. It's like consider the So what are the three things? Consider the brood that it's earth, know, contaminated. It's, it's, um, and the and the and the Someone who sells a slave. If you sell your slave, it's like selling it to someone outside the land of Israel, and we penalize the owner to emancipate the slave. And by maybe, again, the third thing is, I maybe get Surya, Maybe it's it's if you bring a get written in Surya, it's like bringing it from abroad, and you have to testify. The agent has to be present when it's written, a sign it has to testify it was written a sign in front of him, because for the same reason, people didn't travel too frequent, too often from Surya, to it will be very hard to authenticate it. The husband will claim it's a forgery. That's what we required. We don't accept the get. We require the agent to testify that it was written and signed before. But other other three things we treated like it's Israel. Number one, the rabbis said we subject it to the laws of Miser and the sabbatical year. Number two, if someone wants to enter the on a state of purity, can do so. What does that mean? It's not like any other land. Any other land outside the land of Israel. You can't enter enter impurity. In Surya you can enter impurity. Okay, the model will clarify what that means. And if you buy a field in Surya, we continue in side B, 8B. It's as if you buy a field in the provinces of Yerushalayim, outside of Yerushalayim will explain what that means. So it has a sanctity, it's greater than anywhere else outside of Israel, anywhere else in Israel. Property. The sanctity, the, the area around Yerushalayim has a more elevated sanctity. Gmaru will explain. So he says, the first thing he said, that, that Surya, anything you grow in Surya is obligated for and because this Tana holds... That the conquest of an individual is considered a conquest. Since David and Melech conquered Syria, so he therefore became part of Israel, became an extension of Israel. And just like you're obligated to tithe and to to, to set the land free, lay, allow the land to be fallow in the shemitah, so that applies also to the to Syria, any field in Syria. Second thing he said. The reason why because it was David Amel's personal thing it wasn't like Yeshua Yeshua conquered the land that was a collective effort that was the whole community conquered David himself himself went and he conquered the land and he conquered it he conquered it for himself but the real reason is because it was conquered before he conquered the rest of Israel. Before the rest of Israel was properly conquered. If Israel would have been conquered first and then you go and expand Israel is one thing. But David the Melech conquered Syria before he finished conquering the whole land of Israel. So therefore, it's considered a kibbush Yochid. Okay, so this is the opinion that holds it's, it's still considered in part of Israel. The second thing he said, if you want to enter in purity, you're allowed to what do you mean how is it possible you said that stepping on the ground in Syria like anywhere else outside of Israel makes you tummy so what do you mean you can enter in the land in purity what is what he means is what if you enter in a plane or in a box a closed car the ground is tummy but the ear is not tummy unlike unlike anywhere else throughout the world anywhere outside of Israel it's not only the ground that's tammei. Just being in the atmosphere outside of Israel makes you tammei. Surya is like a halfway house. If you touch the earth, it makes you tammei. But if you enter without touching the earth, you can glide, you can fly, you have a flying car or whatever, or you're sitting in a box, you're sitting in the car above the ground, and it's clo- then, 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 you're not touching the ground, then you're pure. Which you can't say the same for anywhere out, anywhere else besides Syria, anywhere else outside of Israel. Just being in the atmosphere already makes you tummy. Is why, even outside the land of Syria, if you're in a box, if you're in a car, how do koinim to travel through a cemetery? You go in a closed car, so you close a box. Yes, it's considered like a corpse tumba. The rabbi said that the earth is like corpse A Corpse tumah is even the oil. Even if you're hovering over it, even if you don't touch it, you're ready tummy. So, just so being in the atmosphere should make you tummy, but not if you're in a closed box, if it shields you. So, so therefore, even anywhere outside of Surya, if I'm in a closed box, I can also protect myself from the atmosphere, from the ear. I'm, it's not an oil. I'm in a closed, self contained, self contained closure. So, I'm not hovering over. The like tumma, like yeah, the yeah, yeah. So what's the problem? But the Behuda holds. That's an argument. The holds that a flying, a moving box is not is not a good container. It cannot uh, block the tumor. When can it block the tumma? If it's a closed, if it's a closed structure and it's it's stationary. So the is of the opinion that if it's a closed, if it's a since it's a moving. So, moving box. Therefore, does not protect you. It's not an oil. The gold that a, that a container, if it's moving, does not protect you. So therefore, anywhere else, outside of Syria, anywhere else, outside, abroad outside of Israel, if it's a moving box. It doesn't shield you. So therefore, you, you have too much oil. So you become Thomas. But Syria, you could enter in pure. It's only the earth. Only if you touch the earth, not if you're hovering over it. If you enter the land of the nation, enclosed by a carriage. A carriage, a trunk, a box, or a closet. Rabbi Matami. be says it doesn't protect you from tumas oil. Why? Because it's moving. Rabbi, would the says, "No, it doesn't matter that it's moving. You're in a clo- You're in an enclosure, mm-hmm. and therefore it protects you." So he says, "But even Rebbe only contaminated anywhere outside the land of Israel. The gods are because they decree that not only is the earth tame; it's considered like a corpse but even the air, because you're hovering over it." avalsuria Surya. But when it comes to Surya, even Rebbe will agree, Al-Gusha Gazrul, Al-Vidaleh Gazrul. They only decreed against the earth, but they didn't go so far to say that if you're hovering over the earth, you become tammeh. That's why the ear space is not tammeh. So even if you're not in the box, it doesn't matter. According the Rebbe, a box wouldn't help you. Just being, if you can fly in the air, and you're just hovering over, it doesn't matter. If you're hanging in the air, you're allowed to enter Surya. And, you can, and you're entering impurity you don't become impure so that's unique that's novel about Syria versus any other country any other place outside the land of Israel. the, the same would be true according to the rabbis according to the rabbis that say that a box does protect you don't need a box to protect it. if you just suspend it in the air yeah there's no there's no decree rabbis only decreed on the earth but not that if you hover over it, that uh, you become Tamil. And then he said the third thing he said, that it's compared to Israel, it's to Israel, as if you're buying a field in the province of Yerushalayim. What practical difference is that? They're allowed to write a document. If you sell your field, usually you're not allowed to have a goy write for you on Shabbos. Right? You can't do business on Shabbos. But they made a special leniency that if you're buying, if you're buying land in Israel, it's a mitzvah to buy land. So therefore, you're allowed to write up a document on Shabbos, have a goy write a document for you on Shabbos. So Syria is the same thing. It has a certain holiness, a certain sanctity that it's as if you, uh, therefore the rabbi's allowed to make this transaction to do a real estate business deal even on Shabbat. If you're buying from an idolater so you don't have to wait till after Shabbat to write a document of sale because he wants to leave on Shabbat. The guy wants to get out of town, skip town. You want to make sure to purchase the land from him so it should belong to a Jew, get it out of his uh, so therefore, the rabbis allowed you to do a business transaction even on Shabbos. Mm-hmm. So this, that's the exception. So, so Surya is the same thing. Surya, you also allowed. What mm-hmm. so Shabbos? What do you mean on Shabbos? You're writing a document on Shabbos. What do you mean? that's a biblical prohibition where <laughs> you can't write so like Rabbi says you mean you tell a goy to write it for you even though you tell a goy to write it for you even though the rabbis say you're not allowed to tell a goi to do work for you writing is a biblical prohibition how can you tell a goi to write for you the rabbis made an exception every rule has an exception so for the mitzvah of settling land of Israel, for settling Jews on the land, to get rid of the the, 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 the idol worshippers, and a Jew is buying it off. We're not telling a Jew buying it from another Jew. That, you're not allowed to. You're buying it from an idol worshipper. So you want to make sure that a Jew should own this land and live there. So therefore the rabbis made an exception and said, you're allowed to tell a Goy to write the document and to do this business transaction on shops you're going to work for you but then there's also doing business in not to do business, business transaction, but here you're allowed to he's saying what's unique for a mitzvah it's a mitzvah to settle the land of Israel so for a mitzvah you're not allowed to tell a goy to do so they says no even for a mitzvah you can't tell a goy to do something that's biblically prohibited for a mitzvah you can tell a goy to do something that's only rabbinically prohibited but to tell a goy to do something that's biblically prohibited so that's why it's not a chiddush. He's not saying the chiddush is, he's telling a goi to go do a business transaction. But business transaction is only rabbinic. Hmm. So in the case of a mitzvah, you can tell a goi. But here we're talking about writing. Writing is biblical. There's nowhere else. The rabbis didn't allow you to tell a goi to, 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 to do something that's biblically prohibited in order to fulfill a mitzvah. But this was the exception. Because it's so important to settle the land of Israel, to be settled by Jews, and to get rid of the idolaters. That's why they, they permitted it. The rabbis learn, a slave who brings a document of emancipation that is free, brings it from abroad. Because of it it's written, you yourself and my possessions are required by you. And just like we said, by a get, that the one who brings a get from abroad, overseas. Has to testify that he has to be present when it was written and signed. So the so so it's the, the same would apply with this type of document also. It's not only a get. It's also with the the bill of emancipation. So the it's the same issue. Similar, same, same yeah. The same reason. The, the owner will come. And say, I never wrote it. How is he going to authenticate it? So we require him to testify. The agent to testify that he was present when it was written and signed. He says, so, so he goes free, but he doesn't acquire the possession. In other words, we only accept his, his testimony regarding himself, his own free. He himself comes with a document, just like a woman comes with a document, and he testifies. I was present when it was written and, it was, and when it was signed. So we trust him, because we said it, since it's only rabbinic, authentication is only rabbinic. So we trust him when it comes to authenticating for himself. But based on his testimony, we should give all the billions of dollars that his owner owns based on his testimony. That, that not. That leniency only applies to gittin or emancipation documents, but only to say that that uh, you know she's 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 divorced, that he's free. But when it comes to, to the gift. Testifying, they give that we need two witnesses. So he goes free, but he doesn't acquire uh, the master's possession. Yeah. So they asked in the base of Medrash. They asked, what if it says they call the chosay knuyin loch. It doesn't say, you are free and whatever I own belongs to you. It just says, all my possessions are yours. Mao, what's the law? You can't separate the two. All my possessions includes you yourself. He is also the possession of his, of his master. So when he says, all my possessions, it means he is free. But here you can't split the statement. If you accept the statement that he is free, and you have to accept the whole thing. That all it's all part of a, one single statement. That all my possessions belong to you, including yourself. So, are you also going to say, well, we, he is free, but he can't acquire the possessions? You're right in this case, since you accept the statement and he is free, so you have to accept the whole statement. So he can also acquire all of his master's possessions. Amalei Rabba, disagrees. It makes sense that he can acquire himself, just like a get of a woman. That we believe him, the rabbis believed him. The rabbis made a special leniency. But why should we believe his testimony regarding the master's possessions? Just like anywhere else. You need two witnesses to authenticate the witnesses. And now if the, husband, if the master comes and says, it's not true, I never gave him my possession. Are you kidding me? I gave him away all my billions of dollars? Are you joking? It's a forgery. No, I'm sorry. He testified, it was written and signed before him. We don't pay attention to you, unless you can prove it. I have to prove it? that I The guy came, wrote a document, what do you want in my life? So there's no why in the world. Of course you need two witnesses to authenticate he has a right to claim it was, it was... We're not lenient when it comes to... Why all of a sudden, for himself, he should be believed? So, <laughs> his mind? See, the rabbis were great when they heard something. They changed their mind. He says, you're right. But on the contrary, I disagree with you, Robin. I'm saying the opposite. Since we don't believe him regarding the possessions... We also don't believe him regarding himself. Because he can't, what I'm saying is he can't separate the statement. It was one statement. Either you, either you believe him or you don't believe him. If you believe him, you have to believe the whole package. I thought, okay, if you believe him that he's free, we also have to believe him the possession But well, You're making a good argument. It's not fear, It's not right. Why, why would the rabbis believe him when it comes to possession? So You're right. We don't believe him for the possessions. We don't believe him uh, regarding his own personal uh, emancipation as well. <sighs> I'm a leader of, the other disagrees. Why not? Yes, don't believe him. Why? You, you could divide it. We don't believe him when it comes to the possessions because like everywhere else, the rabbi didn't make any special leniencies. You have to authenticate with two witnesses. You can't rely on one person coming and saying that. It's, mm-hmm. But when it comes to his own personal emancipation, just like the woman, we don't want her to be chained. We want her to be free. So we should believe him either way whether he spells out and he says uh, you are free and my possessions belong to you or he says it in one statement whatever i have belongs to you he is free but when it comes to the possessions we don't believe it but whose opinion are you following Rabb Shimon, you're following the Pin of Rabb uh, Shimon, the Oma Palgin and the You're following a Pin of Shimon of holes, so we can take one statement and split it in half. Even though it makes no sense, how could you? Either you believe me, or you don't believe him. No. Nope. We'll take half and we'll accept half, and the other half we discard. If nah, we learn the Mishnah. Uh, we learned in the Mishnim, Payah, Entracted Payah, Someone who writes all of his possessions, gives over all his possessions to his slave. So he's a free man, because he's also part of the possession. So if he's giving him all of his possessions, so he acquires all the possessions and himself but, she, but what if he, the master left over a little little piece of land for himself? A little strip of land for himself. It doesn't have to be land. If he left over anything of his possession, even a movable item, then then the slave does not go free. Because since he said, he says, he never said that I'm freeing the slave, right? He just says, I'm giving you all my possessions. But here, since he, he made an exception, not all, all, but I'm, I'm leaving something of mine.
1: So it means
0: he's also retaining the slave. I want you to still to be my slave. If I say I'm, I'm giving you everything, everything is everything, includes yourself. But here, he's giving him everything except something he's leaving for himself. So maybe he means he also wants to keep him as a slave. I'm not, I didn't say I'm freeing you. I, yeah, I'm giving you my possession, but since I'm keeping you as my slave, whatever the slave owns belongs to me. So I'm really, I'm not giving you anything. If he writes all my possessions, we have no choice. Of course, he meant including the slave. He's not leaving anything over for himself. So he meant he's giving him everything, including his own freedom. Wow. And it says, and the water, so the, right? at the end of the day, he's not giving him anything. It's So that's the and opinion it. of Tanakham Rab Shimon Aimer Abshiman says we continue on side B. Laila Much Benchayden, the slave is always free, Achi Aimar. Until he says Call Nechasa in the Suyan the plain Avdi Chutzme Echin medi Bishop. Unless he says all my possessions are given to my slave, except for one part in ten thousand. Meaning, the slave himself. So he's keeping the slave. Right. No, that's, that's um, As Rav says, that unless the master says that I am giving you everything with the exception of 110,000, 110, even though the slave could be worth a lot more than that. Mm-hmm. Not a billionaire, the slave is only worth 110,000. But, but maybe in his evaluation that's all he considers the slave, that's the value of the slave. But other than that, let's say he says everything belongs to you except except the house a piece of property. If slave is not a piece of property, it's not earth. So surely he meant that this free the slave, and then the slave is free. And and um, unless he says, unless he says a specific, a specific item then the slave would get everything if he says with the exception of a specific item then the slave is free and he acquires everything except that specific item but even if he does the slave doesn't acquire anything other than his own emancipation let's say he says with the exception of an acre of earth I can't give the slave anything he didn't spell out which acre. Mm-hmm. He didn't give an address. Every acre, maybe this is the acre. So therefore the slave doesn't get anything. And nevertheless he's free. Even though he said it in one thing, mm-hmm. everything belongs to you except one acre. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't get anything, and yet he's free. So we split his words. We take the part that he says you're free, and, the part is, and therefore he's free, and the part that he says everything belongs to you, not. We don't give yeah. him a dime. So, therefore, your opinion follows. He's saying to Rav, you, you are following the opinion of Rab Shimon. But then he's going to ask, and we'll continue to learn tomorrow. Oh, let's make learn to the Mishnah. So he says, but the question is praise Rab Shimon's opinion. How brilliant it is. But nevertheless, the law follows Rab Meir, not like a Shimon, that we don't split. We don't split. We follow the Stam mission. We don't split his words. We learn the brays. When these words were said, when the opinion of Rabe and Rabshim were presented for Rabbi Esiv, he said the pasuk to Rabb Shimon: "Svasayim Yisur, Meishu Devorim Lips shall kiss." He that responds with correct opinions. In other words, he wanted to kiss him. His opinion was so brilliant and so beautiful. So he's referring to Rab Shimon. Because he says, the one who responds, Rav responded to Rab Meir. So therefore, since the Allah follows Rav how can Rava say that the law follows Rab Shimon? That he says we split his words in half. That this the slave goes free, but we don't give him any of the possessions of his master. So Yumad says, wait a minute, Nachman You're quoting Rav Nachman. Did Nachman truly say this? A person is seriously ill. Gave everything, all of his possessions to his slave, and then he recovers. He can retract his gift. He only gave a gift because he was dying. So he gave it to his, fa- his, his favorite slave. But once the slave is free, you can't go back on that. You can't say someone is free and then he becomes back a slave. The reason he's able to take back his gift because it was a special gift. It was a gift of someone who's dying. That was like condition. Only because I'm dying. Once a person has a name that he's free, he can't. So what do we see? That Rabbi Nachman says we could divide a statement. Here he made one statement, and here he's taking back one thing. He's taking back his, his statement of giving away his possessions, but you're not taking back, his freeing him. So it seems that Rabbi Nachman is contradicting himself. So Elam Ravashi Ashe explains that Rav Nachman is not contradicting himself. Oh, so a minor time year. in the case of Rav and Rav He says the law follows Rav and Rav Because it's not clear. When you give a get, when you give a separation, it has to be clear, crystal clear, clear cut, not ambiguous, not like a politician who speaks in four <laughs> tongue, three sides of his mouth. You don't know, you know, everything is ambiguous, you know, nothing is clear. Um, yeah. So, therefore since, it, it, since it's ambiguous therefore we follow the mayor you can't, you can't separate the two Taylor says means it has to be completely cut the tie is completely cut unambiguous so since the master says he wants to keep some property for himself and he didn't say openly that he's freeing, freeing the slave so, maybe the master intends to retain the slave as well. Since he's leaving over something for himself, maybe he also retains. So, therefore, it's, you can't say it's, I can't say it's unambiguous. It's ambiguous. Therefore, the law follows a mayor, that, that it's not a clear guess. But in our case, it was very clear, it wasn't unambiguous. Clearly, all my possessions belong to you. Inclu- including yeah. himself. It was unambiguous that he's freeing him. Yeah. Circumstances changed. Suddenly he got better. Baruch Hashem. The yeah. has helped. Yeah. So he got better. Fine. So then we say he can take back one part but he doesn't take back the other part. So it's not a contradiction. So his question remains in how could you go again? How could you go again? Oh. So here also, I guess. So maybe Rav is right. So since he said that all my possessions, he's coming and he's saying that all my possessions belong. He's testifying; it's written in the document all my possessions belong to you, so it's unambiguous. So, therefore, it's a good, it's a good get. Yeah, so, therefore, we could separate it's not a contradiction to David. We could say like Rav Shimon, especially since uh, since Rabbi Yosi praised him. So, we do accept. The part that he himself he goes free. But we don't believe him that all the possessions belong to the master. Okay. It says instead in the mission if an agent brings a get from one place to another and you don't have to testify for an ath of an you don't have to be present when sign of it. And even Yeshala did it. if if later on it's contested. So then, you can authenticate it with, with you can easily find witnesses and authenticate oh, so You might says either come protest, by the one how many people? If you're saying one person could protest, you need two, two, two people to protest. Names, it, you need two people to protest. So, so you have to say that two people are protesting so if two people are protesting then how can you authenticate it's two against two two are saying it's a forged document two are saying it's, a, it's an authentic document it's two against two if two people are coming two strangers are coming and telling us he says one stranger comes and says this document is a forgery the Besen won't even pay attention to him who are you it's because you claim it's a forgery if two witnesses come and claim it's a forgery it doesn't to take it seriously but then, then how can, what will help you to come and authenticate it it's two against two it's not a numbers game it can be two against a hundred once you have two witnesses that say it's a forgery and then two witnesses who say it's a hundred witnesses say it's authentic they cancel out each other and, 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 you, and you, can't, you can't abide by the document but the husband comes the husband says I never wrote it it's not a stranger I never wrote it. Then you have two witnesses. Authenticate the document and it's authenticated. We concluded the first Mishnah. Tomorrow, with Hashem's help, we're going to start the next Mishnah. Have a wonderful day.